it was about two years ago, just before COVID. For the first time, I never had this happen. I woke up in the morning and my foot was in pain. Uh, it was swollen. It was hot to the touch around my ankle. I know we have a few medical professionals here who are already uh, diagnosing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's weird. I don't remember injuring my foot. I don't remember doing anything to it. It's very sensitive. It feels like I really hurt it. I got up and I went about my day. I had a lunch appointment at Cosmic Kitchen, which, by the way, <laughs> remember Cosmic Kitchen? Can we just have like a collective sigh of grief over the last? <laughs> Over this past year, 
here and now. I have, uh, so, well, let me say this first. So we're on week three. I told you that I had a couple of things that I wanted to share with you guys that have just been on my heart. And so a few weeks ago, I talked about uh, the peace of God and where the peace of God comes from. Last week, we talked about the body of Christ, understanding the, the nature and God's intent of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church. So this is the final week. What I have in my own life, in the last year and a half, I have hurt in some new ways. Anyone say that they've hurt in some new ways? Yeah. Besides my foot. I'm not speaking like, you know, soul pain here. And in, in trying to cut through a lot of different things going on, sort of new experiences, new challenges, uh, we, in, in our staff environment, we've talked about decision fatigue over the last 18 months, right? Making decisions and unmaking them and then remaking them. Trying to get to the bottom of what is uh, what is going on inside of me. What is it that I need? Because there's things that I feel like I need. Like I feel like I need a vacation, so I'm gonna take one. He wants to tell you something about God 
but it's been my observation, and maybe this rings true for you, that for many people, it's easier to believe in all of God's promises for someone else than it is to believe in all of God's promises for yourself. Anyone feel that way? It's easier to believe that God would be exceedingly benevolent and gracious towards other people and more difficult to believe that he acts that way and feels that way towards me. Anyone on that page with me? Paul says, I want to I wanna, I wanna work around that initial hang-up. I want to tell you about my God. I want you to hear about my God. I want to tell you what you can expect from my God, the God that I know. My God will supply. My God will supply. He will give to you of what He has. He will take from His stock and fill your pantry, so to speak. He has the supply, and He's going to make it available to you. I, uh, at the end of the season, I made a terrible decision. And I took my oldest daughter, Selah, and her friend, Austin, uh, out into the woods. Uh, we left on a, I think it was a Thursday evening from town at about 5. We got out of the truck at 6, and we started hiking. And uh, we arrived at our destination at 12.15 in the morning. We walked for six hours. What I wasn't anticipating is that that was when we got that really heavy, wet snow. Remember that? And out in the hills, it was like four inches of heavy, wet snow. I had actually called in advance to my Uncle Alan, and I said, hey, we're thinking of walking out. We, there's a moose out there we want to chase down. Would it be all right if we just crashed at your cabin? And he said, yeah, that would be fine. In fact, he said, there's some firewood there you could use in the stove. And he said, I also have some cans of beans. If you want to heat up some beans, you can help yourself to the beans. It's a very generous man. <laughs> and I said, um, oh, we won't, we won't need any of that. We're bringing our own food. We're just going to sleep there for the night. Uh, we'll just jump, in, jump into bed and get up to go out the next morning. And he said, you can use the firewood if you want. It's fine. He kind of snickered which I think is a challenge. You know? <laughs> I was so cold by the time I got to that cabin. I, the alders, it had snowed this heavy, wet snow. I was dressed for a hike, not for survival in the Arctic, right? So the alders, it had snowed this thick, wet snow, and as I'm, certain parts of the trail had laid the alders into the trail, and so I'm pressing the alders out of the way through this hike. You guys know this experience? <laughs> Chunks of snow going down your collar, and then you feel them sliding down, 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 down. Within an hour of my hike, I was completely drenched through all of my layers. And then it got dark, and then it started snowing again. We got to Alan's cabin, and 
and there were only two things that I could think about. A warm fire and a can of hot beans. Yeah! And Alan had both. It was chopped and ready to go right next to the fireplace. We had food, you had like bread and bologna and cheese and, you know, which after a six hour freezing cold near death experience, it's not the most appetizing thing. And so me and Sayla and Austin, we got the fire going because we're taking off our wet layers. And honestly, we sat around and watched that, that little pan of beans warm up over the fire. It was wonderful. My God will supply. He has the supply. He has what you need, even if you don't know that you'll need it. He has the supply, and He will supply you in this relationship between you and Paul's God. God is the giver, and you are the receiver. My God will supply it. What will He supply? All of your needs. He is unequivocal in his assertion that the God that you serve not only has the capacity to provide you everything that you need, but that he is committed to provide you everything that you need. And I would say that this is one of our hang-ups in our relationship with God, and that is that we carry a hunch in our hearts uh, if, it's never, if it's never brought out into dress, we continue to carry this hunch. And our hunch is, is that what I think that I need might be slightly different list than what God knows that I need. Right? And so, my hesitation to really lean confidently on Paul's God's commitment to supply everything that I need is because I haven't actually seen the whole list. What he has said that I need. Because I, much like a child to his parents, say, now I know that you think that that's what I need, but let me tell you what I want, and could you commit now to being just as invested in getting me what I want as you are invested in giving me what I need? Anyone been there? ways are higher than your ways. And I, and I say this in regards to your understanding of me. Isaiah 55, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Our happiness too often is attached to receiving what it is that we want with little confidence that what God says that we need is actually a pathway to a greater joy. Meaning, that when you say, this is what I want, and God doesn't give it to you, and instead supplies you what you need, it's because he is committed to your greatest good as a loving father. But our true fear is that God is a cheapskate towards me. Yes, I'm sure that he's very benevolent towards you. But what 
if he's stingy towards me because of all of my issues and hang-ups, and at the end of it all, I will be unhappy with what he has provided me out of an attentiveness to my need. So before we move forward, let me just say, you can trust God. You can. And it won't go like you think it's going to go. Because he's smarter than you. He's wiser than you. And he's actually more committed to your ultimate good than you are. And so he's committed to supply you with what you need. With everything you need. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches. Some of you read ahead, and in your heart you already said that he will supply you according to your goodness. God supplies to our need according to his fabulous wealth. When it comes to providing for you according to your need, God is never stingy or cheap. God always provides for your needs in accordance with His abundance. But until we properly understand our need according to God's wisdom and truth, you may end up feeling that he is not generous. No different than times when my own children feel that is not being generous. He has not given us what we want. As long as my mind is locked down on the level of my wants without being opened up to an awareness of God's attentiveness to my need, I might actually come to the conclusion that he's been stingy with me. Because he hasn't given me everything that I want. And if I trust him even more, what if I get less of what I want? This is no, I'm committed to your need. I will supply. I have provision. I have stocked shelves to provide you everything that you need, and that provision, that supply, comes out of my riches. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. God always supplies out of the abundance of his wealth. What is his wealth? Well, Paul's going to explain because there is a wealth that you have not yet in the flesh clearly seen and can only be seen by faith. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Meaning, 
We stand upon the skyline, look out, and behold the testimony of God, which is pretty powerful in Homer, right? Of his creation, of his handiwork, his kindness and creativity, made known through everything that he has made. You understand that what you're seeing is only but a small glimpse, a snapshot, a hint at his true wealth in glory, in heaven, out of sight. We only know about and believe in by faith. It is the eyes of faith that see the true riches of God held in glory. His riches are the riches that he has stored up in heaven, a far more abundant place even in the world that we live in now, exceedingly, exponentially more abundant. His riches from which he has committed to supply everything you need originate from his place in glory, the riches from which he created the universe by his word. That's the God. And he says, well, you haven't seen, you haven't seen the part of it. You've just caught a glimpse. Paul says, my God will supply all of your need according to his abundant riches in glory. This was Paul's mission in Ephesians 3.8. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. And here comes the surprise of all surprises, that when properly understood comes upon you much like the experience of coming to life. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The rich, abundant, heavenly supply from which God is committed to supply everything that you need is the person of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 7, so that in the ages to come, he might show, God might show, the boundless riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Whatever it is that God the Father knows that you need, it is found ultimately through his Son. You were created by the Son, for the Son, Colossians 1. You were created by Christ, for Christ. You were designed in a particular way. You were designed to be complete, to find your purpose to find everything in the person of Christ. That's what you were made for. 
He has met your need in Christ Jesus, meaning that Jesus Christ is the riches of God's glory, the riches of heaven, the best thing that he has to offer is his son, the person, Jesus. You were made for relationship. And we spend a lifetime trying to figure out why, why am I not just quite satisfied? I've tried so many things. I've even resorted to ibuprofen. And it still isn't fixing it. And we endlessly explore and re-explore. Paul says, you were designed for relationship. And God the Father is committed to supply out of his abundant richness, out of his abundant wealth in heaven, the very thing that fits into your design, the person of Jesus. Because you were made for a relationship. Every time that you explore another path, Another path that will lead you to happiness, to fulfillment, and arrive at that destination disappointed. You're only joining in the experience of everyone who has come before you. Psalm 16, the psalmist says, You will make me known, or sorry, you will make known to me the way of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures evermore. You were created incomplete until you are completed in Christ in relationship with Jesus. And your senses now, even now here this morning, your senses broken by the effects of sin on your body will tell you two things. Either, number one, that's not true, or I, I, I don't know how to get there. I'm going to tell you how to get there. This is groundbreaking. You're going to want to write this down. It's not ibuprofen, so take good notes. You look at your life and you say, no, I know, my, my brain tells me that that is ultimate satisfaction, meaning and purpose is all found through the person of Christ. And yet, that's not my experience. I don't feel like alive in everything that I was meant to be through that relationship. And so then, of course, I end up going after these other things, right? Because it provides a much easier, a much uh, easier, experience of gratification that although it's, I, I recognize it's, it's shallower and maybe not as meaningful, it at least gives me something in the meantime. How do you get 
get to a place where Jesus is all satisfied. Where my experience of Jesus is so, so overwhelms my heart with joy and peace that when trials come and wring my soul, the love of Christ comes out. And I'm content. How do you get there? Are you ready? You should, you should spend time with Jesus. You should go to Him. No, actually, all of the reasons right now that exist in your life, that you've understood with your mind, that you're aware of in your heart, that prevent you from enjoying relationship with Jesus right now, today, all of those reasons are the sum total of the strategy of the enemy to destroy you. That's the whole thing. The strategy of the enemy is profoundly simple, partnering with your sinful flesh to keep you from enjoying Jesus, relationship with Jesus, time with Jesus right now, here today. That's the whole thing. Because if he can prevent you from enjoying relationship with Jesus, pursuing relationship with Jesus, he can stop all of that. All of God's intentions for you. Now, Satan's smart. He'll even accept religiosity in place of enjoying Jesus. You can be as religious as you want. You can be as moral as you want. Be outstanding. Just don't spend time with Jesus. Some of you are here this morning, you're thinking to yourself, I can enjoy relationship with Jesus as soon as I get a little more caught up on some things. And the lie here is that you were actually made to get stuff done. You were not made to get stuff done. You were made for relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you say, I can enjoy Jesus as soon as I get a few of my own issues straightened out. I hate to break it to you, but you were not created to be a good person. And if your desire to be a good person exceeds your desire for Jesus, you're worshiping an idol of your own righteousness. And you will be profoundly discontented as I have experienced myself. Some of you might say, I can enjoy Jesus as soon as I get my schedule nailed down a little bit better. And the lie here is you were made to be a responsible person. If you were more responsible, then enjoyment of Jesus would follow. Maybe you say, I could enjoy Jesus as soon as this current season is over. This has been unique, these obstacles have been new new challenges, as soon as this is over, I will enjoy a relationship with Jesus. And the lie is that you were made, your purpose is to get past obstacles. It's not your purpose. 
You were made for Jesus. Maybe you say, I can enjoy Jesus as soon as I start doing the things that I already know that he wants me to do. How can I possibly just step into a relationship when there's all these things that he's told me to do and I haven't done them yet? As soon as I get on that list and feel like I've got a pretty good handle on it, well then certainly I could enjoy a relationship with Jesus. You were not made to be obedient. Obedience is the outcome of loving relationship with Jesus. It's the byproduct. It's not the entry point. Faith is the entry point. Obedience is the outcome. And Satan says, absolutely, you should spend more time fixing yourself before you go to Jesus. Every agenda item, every goal, every effort, every desire, every achievement, every noble cause that takes the lead or takes priority over your pursuit of the person of Jesus will leave you feeling even more empty and more destitute than when you began. Not only that, it is Satan's greatest victory that you do not enjoy him today. Philippians 4.19 My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you have a rich supply of everything that you need. i tie briefly into last week. This is, it is our joy as believers. It is our joy found through happy dependence upon Jesus that serves as the basis for our unity as a church family actually the thing that we have in common more than anything else. And if you take anything else and try to make it the basis of our unity as the body of Christ, that thing will divide. The only thing that withstands human corruption as a unifying principle, as a unifying power in our lives, is the person of Jesus Christ and our need for him. I need Jesus.
singular testimony coming from the community of church and home. You guys know the space out there is pretty bombarded here. You would be willing, uh, sometime in the next weeks or months even, I'll, I'll provide you some reminders. You would be willing to write down somewhere between 100 to 300 words. I know I'm being very specific here in college class again. 100 to 300 words answer two questions. How have you felt your need for Jesus and how has he met you? How have you experienced your need for him? How has he met you? That is a testimony of weakness that God has his power to and multiplies its effect. And then send it to me. Send me a picture if you'd be willing. And we're going to blast it to the world. Here's another member of Church on the Rock that is realizing their deep need for Jesus, and when turning to him, found him. Isn't that a great story to hear? Isn't that a story that just so encourages and uplifts your heart? We're not the group of people. We're pulling it off. We're a group of people experience our need, who embrace our need, from our place of need, Onto Jesus with exceedingly high expectations based on his rich abundance. Amen? Amen. I'm going to keep counting you for the next couple of weeks. I'm going to get the word out for those who are searching. Huh. Here's the second thing. Uh, I'm going to invite Chris, you guys can go ahead and come up. Um, we're going to spend some time in worship. Worship is a wonderful way to celebrate Jesus. Worship is a wonderful way as a church to look around the room and see people's love for Jesus, right? As we worship together.
say to the Lord, I want this, and I want this, and I want that to stop, and I'd like this to begin.